All right, everybody, this week you are going to get your world rocked, don't you think, Sandra? Absolutely. This is amazing, amazing podcast. My good friend, and you guys uh, should be familiar with him in the past, Kevin Knebel, spells his last name K-N-E-B-L. He always jokes, hey, please, give me, you know, can I buy a vowel? Uh, and Kevin is one of the most successful people, not only you know in business-wise, but his faith, his relationships, his marriage. And we've had so many questions as we're kind of surveying our audience. If you guys have seen that from the email, we'd love to have you respond just about how do I actually build you know, my business, grow, get more sales. And man, there is nobody better at that than Kevin. And I asked Kevin if he would come on and just share some of that. And you know, we started out, Sandra, talking about with Kevin, you know, what are those three steps to success? And you guys are going to absolutely want to hear that part of the conversation. And then we, then, we, then we got into, you know what, there's only two things that we can control. And if we think we can, can control anything else, we're delusional. And, but then, you know what, instead of kind of getting into uh, Kevin's process, the, uh, I think you asked this amazing question, uh, Sandra, but we quickly got deep into just the mindset, the philosophy, the values that Kevin has that I think has, has, there's no doubt that has absolutely facilitated why he's so successful. And this conversation, I think, was one of the most equipping, powerful conversations we've had on the podcast. And Sandra, what were some of the things that stood out to you? Well, you know, as someone who speaks a lot about entrepreneurship and guilt that goes along with entrepreneurship as you're trying to do a gazillion things, I loved it because he said, you know what, guilt is guilt is just, just bogus. It's totally fake. He said, you only have two voices inside your head. You have the voice of ego and you have the voice of the Holy Spirit. And ego mm -hmm. is loud mm -hmm. and obnoxious and speaks first and speaks loudly and the Holy Spirit is calm and quiet and is just sort of quietly, constantly tapping you on the shoulder. And that if we wake up in the morning and we're surrounded by all this culture stuff that's, you know, calling on ego, ego is going to be right there. Hey, do this, say this, go there, wear this. Oh, feel guilty about that. Oh, feel like a loser about that. And, and instead, if we could quiet the ego and just say, hey, you know what? None of that is from the Lord. I'm going to just listen for this quieter voice that's the Holy Spirit. I mean, how life-changing is that? Oh, my gosh. And, and Kevin talked about how he does that. And also, you know, he said something that really stood out to me, Sandra, that he doesn't ask God for anything. Yeah. Except, except and this is, this is his prayer. Remove from my vision and, and or awareness anything that blocks my understanding of how blessed that I am. I mean, yes. wow, think about that. Yes. And then we, we unpacked that for like 15 or 20 minutes. And there was, guys, there's, there's some things in there that my, you are going to want to listen to this and then go back, re-listen to this one with a notepad out. Trust me, um, this is going to be one I think that is just going to be just life-changing. It was for me. You, Honestly, I got four pages of notes here. Yeah, you know, yeah. I know. I have pages too. And you know, my other favorite part yeah. was when he said, we only have two things that we can control. Mm. Only two. Our work ethic and our attitude. How appropriate is that? I mean, that is, you wake up in the morning, you can control your attitude for the day and how hard you work. And that's what's in my sphere of influence. So, you know, let's focus on that. And he relates and, everything back to where that came from, from Scripture. 
Yes. And, and, and yes. you know, planting seeds, right? Fertile ground, rocky ground. Uh, oh, my gosh. Anyway, you guys are going to love this. Uh, without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to our this amazing interview that Sandra and I had with Kevin. And we'd love to hear your comments on the, uh, the, the blog post for this. And please go to our Facebook group, Eternal Leadership. Leave a comment there. And we would love to just hear from you and connect with you and serve you forward any way possible. So here we go. Hey, guys, uh, you are going to love our guest today. Sandra and I were just chatting with my good buddy, Kevin Knebel. Kevin, welcome back on the podcast. Thank you, John. I love you because you're like the only person on earth who pronounces my last name correctly. Well, it's because you have like this, this cool last name. And, you know, you know, the name Knebel, I just thought, has, has, you know, it's so cool. It has to be Norwegian, which is my roots. And I just found out it's German. So, yeah. you know, we'll let that slide a little bit. But I still love you, man. Thank you. You actually pronounce you pronounce it better than I do. Well, that's well. I've practiced. You don't have to practice. It's your name. <laughs> hey, now, so everybody, if you're not familiar with Kevin, this is going to be a rocking them and rolling, um, man. You know, highly caffeinated Mach Five interview on on what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we hear about all the time. Kevin is just this expert in sales. You just heard about that. Um, and building high-touch and high-tech relationships. So if you guys want to go back, so in our archive, and some of our most popular interviews we've done, it was episode number six when we first started three years ago. You were one of the first people we got introduced to you. It was how to create massive success. And then about a year later, you came on about high-tech, high-touch relationships, how to really use you know, LinkedIn and social media as a yeah. conduit to actually create like real relationships in the human world. And that was episode 113. And, um, man, you've just, you're, I've been watching your careers. It's just blossomed. And our audience is filled with so many entrepreneurs, coaches, business owners, people that are want entrepreneurs, right? They want to get into business. Um, and I think there's one huge thing that just holds a whole bunch of people back. And that is, uh, their mindset when they think about sales. And their assessment of their own value that they're bringing out into the marketplace and whatever product or service that they're that you know that's on their heart to bring out. And so, I would love I would love to start though, uh, because it is so powerful. Just your philosophy that you've developed through your amazing history on just how you um, how you see kind of yourself in the world and how you view relationships and other people. Well, thanks, John. What a what a kind introduction. Thank you very much. And Sandra, it's great to see you in uh, Dallas. I was just in Dallas a couple of weeks ago. Ah, uh, well, it's great to great to have you with us. I'm I'm so intrigued uh, by your approach. Well, thanks, thank you. And John, I can't believe that 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 initial interview that you said was episode number six. That was three years ago. Oh, that was goodness. November twenty seventh, two thousand fourteen. Wow. I know. Do you believe it? You th- and you and I. You and I have gotten older, and Sandra's gotten younger. What's up with that? I know. It's really good lighting. Really good lighting. And Steve Ryder's gotten way older. I'm a little bit in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So so your question was, what's kind of my philosophy on on sales and that kind of thing? Yeah, you know what? When I first met you, man, I got to tell you, because you you just had this worldview that I felt like I've always shared, but you put it in words and just crystallized it in a way that, man, I just thought was beautiful. And it's honestly, I think a, uh, if people can really understand who you know who you are, where you're coming from, uh, could just really uh, be a breakthrough for them to accelerate where they want to go. In my opinion. 
Well, thank you. And is that is that is that the the dashingly handsome Steve? <laughs> he just showed up. So so let me answer your question, John. Um, I, I'm a, I am a very very simple guy. And as the years go by, I'm finding that I'm becoming actually even simpler and simpler, <laughs> if that's possible. So I, I take a lot of things that are in the Bible very, very literally. So things like the truth is simple and the truth will set you free. So um, I'm just giving you my perspective because you asked for it. So this may or may not this may or may not resonate with certain people, but hang in there, folks. You don't buy everything that's in the supermarket. But that doesn't mean you don't go to the supermarket. Just put back on the shelf what you don't like. That's for somebody else. Okay. So, so for me, complexity is an, a red flag for me. Complexity in any area of my life is a glaring red flag because complexity violates God's word, which is the truth is simple. Now, that might be a radical thought for most people because they're too complex. They're actually proving my point. So, mm. so what I do is I get very clear about what my function is. Once I'm clear about what my function is, my path becomes very simple. So my function is to be the presence of love in an often dark world. So if I wake up in the morning and I say to myself, my, the reason that I am, was created by God is to extend love to his children, well, then my decision-making process in a, in a lot of areas of my life becomes very, very simple. So what I do is I just go through my day creating, nurturing, and deepening relationships. Now, this does not mean that I don't have crap in my life like everybody else does. I certainly do. But the way I approach it might be a little bit differently than I used to many years ago. So I show up in the world as a beacon of light not in some weird trumped up rah rah kind of way. You don't need to. We we don't. Need, you know, most of what people do in the world of personal development and stuff like that is what I call application based. Most people apply techniques, strategies, methods, and all this other BS. When in reality, it's really more of an implication based world. If you understand who you are, then you can show up authentically. So it's not like we need to apply all this stuff. We just need to remove the blocks to the awareness of love's presence. So what I do is I just create conversations and relationships with people. Let me say one more thing and then I'll come up for air. What I've noticed over the years in a very simple way is that when a person is good technically at whatever their chosen profession is, whatever it is, I don't care if you're a dolphin trainer, a lumberjack, a salesperson, doesn't matter to me. If you're good at what you do, there's really only three steps, not two and not four. There's only three steps between where you are now and where you would, wherever you would like to be in terms of success. And we can quantify that a hundred different ways. Number one, you have to have the ability to identify the individuals that are either in a position to do business with you or refer business to you. I have very simple methods to do that almost down to eye color. You are literally shooting fish in a barrel. You're a mosquito in a nudist colony of opportunity. Number two, once, once you've identified the people that, that are in a position to either do business with you or refer business to you, you have to have the ability to start a conversation, not a sales pitch, but a conversation with them in a manner that does not get you blown off or the door slammed in your face. With most of my private coaching clients, this is where we spend a considerable amount of time 
because most people really don't realize how much commission breath they really have. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then number three, once you found the people that are in a position to do business with you and or refer business to you, once you've, innate, once you've been able to create a sincere, authentic, heart-centered conversation with them in a manner that doesn't get the door slammed in your face, you're already two-thirds of the way to the goal. All you need left, all that's left, is you need a simple method or a system. And we covered this to some degree in the interview a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. You need a method. Need a method to stay top of mind in a way that's not slick, salesy, awkward, or creepy, in a way that causes people to sincerely start to know you, like you, and trust you, so that when they're ready to do business with you and or refer business to you, they actually want to do business with you and or refer business to you. Now, that might sound like a gross oversimplification to your listeners, but we have limited time in this interview. If I wanted to take an all-day, and I do many, many half-day and all-day boot camps on this exact subject, we could get into the nooks and crannies. But you listening to me right this second, whatever you do for a living, assuming you're good at it, there's nothing. it has nothing to do with who's in the White House or who's not in the White House, locusts, plagues, floods, nothing to do with any of that. It's just a matter of being able to find the people, create sincere, authentic conversations, nurture the relationships. I'm going to come up for air. And did any of that make sense, John? Yeah. And can I, I want to just pull one thing out of there that I, 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 that hit me, right? I hear all the time from people that want to get into business and what has them stuck is what they need to be doing. They're looking for their calling and they think their calling should be like this assignment. Like I'm going to get this download from God, you know, uh, you know, (laughs) Kevin go forth and, you know, do this. And, um, you know, you know, Moses had an assignment. Abraham has assignment. What I've come to realize is that is actually something very, very rare when you're actually given the job description and told to go forth. You know what we're given and you just talked about it is it's our calling on who we are to be. And this is what you said, right? Um, I, I am going to create nurturing and deep relationships, be a light. And when I do that, my path is clear. So it, it's not about the doing. You, you said, this is how I'm going to be, and this is how I'm going to apply it in the moment. And I, and I just wanted to kind of pull that out as for, you know, for people to just have this, you know, uh, give you the uh, permission to let go of what you need to do and getting all wrapped up about that and actually start working on who you be and who, how you're showing up. Because I, I'm, I have no doubt, uh, because Kevin's success is driven by his heart with all of his arrows pointing out to truly love and serve everybody else around him unconditionally and the in the people that he pays that extra attention to and i don't i don't like you know there's somebody who is not like the ability to identify you know somebody who would do business with you or refer and if you it, it was very clear to you that i could not do that with you you wouldn't treat me any different than somebody who would who you knew could pay you your biggest you know fee but that person who could pay your biggest fee is somebody you might want to, you know, follow up with more and, you know, spend a little bit more, you know, capital on, you know, maybe developing a relationship with. But that that's just kind of what popped out at me as, as you were talking. Would it be OK if I made a quick comment on that? Yeah. Yeah. So so let's go back to the, the literal word of God. Um, when he's, and, and, and I'm not very good at quoting scripture, so I'll butcher it. <clears throat> but if you know that my heart's in the right place, I have a long leash. <laughs> um, there's a nugget in there, folks. Um, when he talks about the lilies of the field, 
when Jesus talked about the lilies of the field and they don't, they're not worried because if God would take care of the sparrows of the air, why would you worry? Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting that we kind of run around and we worry all the time? So what we're effectively doing is calling God a liar. Well, I, I don't think God's a liar. I think that if I wake up in the morning and I say to myself, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? And I don't have an agenda other than to be love. The people that cross my paths are apparently the people that I'm supposed to extend love to. And the ones and, and they will they will they will self-identify mm-hmm. because because they will respond. So I don't I have no stress about it whatsoever. Stress, by the way, stress is nothing more than an indication that you've believed your own thinking and you haven't questioned it. That's a quotable moment right there, brother. So, so stress is nothing more than you forgot to laugh at this serious mind screw up because there's nothing to worry about. If God would take care of the sparrows and the lilies of the field, why wouldn't he take care of you? So if I say to myself, I'm going to show up as, as a beacon of love and I'm going to help my clients as much as I can. And I'm just going to create karma, you know, and karma, you know, if we, we can use the word karma. We could use the word what goes around, comes around. We could say it any way we want to say it. Right. We reap what we sow. Let's say it that way. That's more biblical. Right. So if, if, if we plant love. See, the challenge is people, people try to be God. I can't, I can't control the harvest. I can't control the rain or the sun, but I can control how many seeds I plant and the attitude with which I plant them. Mm. By the way, there's, there's only two things that you can control, folks. And try to prove me wrong on this one. You can only control your work ethic and you can only control your attitude. By definition, there is literally, and I'm being quite literal right now, there is nothing else you can control. If you think you can, you are delusional. Okay? So, but here's the best news of all. Those are the only two things you need to control. If you can control your attitude and your work ethic, God will take care of everything else. So all I do is I run around and plant seeds. I have no control over which ones grow. That's another biblical thing, right? You sprinkle the seed, some of it falls on good soil, some of it falls on bad soil, the wind comes and blows it away. You see, all this stuff that we read in the Bible, it's actually real, folks. It's real, okay? So, but the challenge, when I say that people try to be God, is that they're trying to control how fast that seed is going to grow or whether it's going to grow. Mm. I have no control over that. All I can do is just run around and keep planting seeds. You want to know why people have commission breath in sales? It's because they're mother henning what they think is their big deal, right? This is going to be my big deal. They start counting their commission before the, before the person signs the contract. <laughs> think about what I'm about to say next. Really think about this. The only reason why a fully functioning rational human being would apply pressure in a sales arena is because they're just not talking to enough people. If you had enough sincere, authentic, heart-centered conversations going with enough people, even if you did it wrong, the law of averages would work in your favor. But the reason why we try to close deals and all this other stuff, by the way, folks, I was the top salesperson in the world for four separate companies and four separate industries. I kind of know what I'm talking about. Okay, I don't have an opinion on this. I have factual knowledge. 
the reason why I was the top salesperson in the world for four separate companies in four separate industries isn't because I was some press hard three copies, bottom ones, yours, price goes up on Monday, commission breath closer. It was because I created so many sincere, authentic conversations that even if I screwed it up, the law of averages would work in my favor. But we forget that. We think, oh, this is my big deal. This is the this is the big this is the person that's gonna make my downline explode. This is the per this is the deal that's gonna enable me to go and buy a bigger house. You have no control over that. You're trying to be God. The moment you slip into that mindset, you have just took you have taken over God's role. You haven't really. You just think you have, right? And all I'm saying is, no, no, no. Your job is to be a planter. Your job is not to be the wind or the sun or the rain. Just go plant your butt off. You, you need to plant your butt off. Look at me. I got no butt. You got you to plant your butt off so you don't have any butt left, right? And do it with a good attitude, okay? So th- that was awesome. For everybody to- listening on the video, we just uh, – um, uh, Kevin just stood up and did his best runway modeling pirouette. That was beautiful, my friend. <laughs> you know, I would be a great runway model for, for blind people. So, because I have a face for radio. So, John, did any of that make any sense? Yeah, Sandra, I, I, I see your, I, I see Sandra's like mind, uh, like totally, like doing the Vulcan mind meld with what you're saying. So, I, I wanted to pull her into the conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, how profound is that? The only thing we can control is our work ethic. So, stop trying to force it. And just go around and plant seeds with love, and it's going to control the harvest. Only if you trust God. Only, by the way, only if you trust God. Only. That's good. That's that's the hardest part, in fact. Why? Um, Because all of us, you know, intellectual, uh, educated people have this sin of self-sufficiency. Well, because we have the sin of self-sufficiency that we think we're, that's point. I mean, it's really the hardest part, but it's really the easiest, if that makes any sense. Is, Is anybody listening to this interview right now? causing your hair to grow, your blood to flow, your nails to grow. Are you do are you in t- in charge of that right this second? No. That's all happening without your control whatsoever, but you take it for granted. But then you think in your professional life, well that I got to control. God, you can take care of my hair, you can take care of my nails, you can take care of my ex- my expanding waistline, but don't touch my business. Don't touch my business. That's me. Okay? That's me. You are you are insane. That's insane. Or some people think, or some people think, well, gosh, you know, he healed me from cancer. He gave me three babies after four miscarriages. You know, gosh, that's so amazing and so big and so heavy. I don't want to, you know, ask him to to fix my washing machine, right? Like that's a, a, a kind of a silly example, but it's true. Um, I hear that from my clients all the time. You know, they're, they're, they don't want to ask God or they don't want to believe that God can bless them in business because I think there's so much legalism in the, in the church around financial success, by the way, that, you know, oh, well, if I have a big job and I go count on God to multiply, then, well, I don't know. Is that is that okay? Um, so or I'm is totally it even with you. appropriate to pray that God, I trust God so that I grow my income from 50 to 100 to 200. I, I do think people really struggle with a prayer like that. 
Yes. Trusting Agreed. in kind of these areas of financial growth. And Kevin, I'm guessing you might have a thought on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, um, you know, I, I, I tend to put in a lot of disclaimers. So what I'm about to say next is going to be for most Christians. What I am about to say next is going to be extremely radical. Good. I love it already. I don't ask God for anything mm. except for one thing. God, please remove from my vision anything that blocks the awareness of how blessed I really am. Now, when I do that, instead of saying, get me another Mercedes or get me another 7,500 square foot house or any of this other stuff, he removes anything that was a seeming obstacle to how blessed I really am and everything else shows up shaken down pressed right on top of it could you say that prayer again Kevin God please remove from my vision or my awareness any obstacles that limit my understanding of how blessed I really am and he does and what's interesting to me is that I, I it's it, it, it I don't have to worry about get me a new refrigerator or a new car or a new washer or dryer or make put more money in my bank. Listen, folks, God is not an errand boy. You it goes it all goes back to the whole lilies of the field thing. Right. By the way, everything that you need, you already have. The evidence is that you have it. To think that you need something that you don't have is an insane thought. Now, that doesn't mean you won't have preferences. That doesn't mean you won't have desires. But to think that you need something that you don't have is by definition an insane thought because you don't have it and you're functioning just fine. The only challenge is we get messed up in our head. We get very messed up in our head. We start to not question our thinking. And what I'm suggesting, and I've pointed to it a couple times in this interview, is that the only reason that we have stress is because we don't question our thinking. We take it very, very real, but it's not. Thoughts just come and go. They're like clouds in the sky. You've never had a feeling in your life that lasted forever. You've never had a thought in your life that lasted forever. So that's a pretty heavy concept that I'm throwing out there. You know, if we want to go down that rabbit hole, we can, or if we want to talk about how to get more sales, we can do that. doesn't matter to me. I'm just, you know, before I got on this interview and be, every time before I get on stage and I'm kindly asked to speak on about two cities per week all around the world. So on any particular day, I could be in Australia, London, South America, Tulsa, wherever. All I say to myself before I get on an interview or before they push me out onto a stage is, God, help me to remember it's not about me. Speak through me and let the people who need to hear what you have to say have open ears and open eyes to hear it. And then I'm like, rock on, brother. 
So I have no idea what's coming out of my mouth right now because I'm not even saying it. The Holy Spirit is working through me and the Holy Spirit is working through everybody that realizes that they're a conduit for the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense, John? Well, it makes total sense because uh, here's my observation, right? When people are worried about sales and their pipeline, all these things, they're actually asking the wrong question, aren't they? The question I should be asking is, you know, who, you, you know, I, I think you mentioned Ephesians 2.10 before, if I remember, but right, if I accept that I am Christ's perfect workmanship, I'm actually, I have greatness in me right now. Right? Now, this is a little kind of metaphysical, but I have greatness in me right now. I am perfectly equipped for those works that he prepared beforehand for whatever he's called me to do. So it's actually, and, and I have found this in my business, which has exploded in the last three years, and I can only work 20 or 25 hours a week. It is, it is, it is grown globally. I had clients all over the world last year. Um, but uh, it's just echoing, and I, and I just want to reinforce what you're saying, because my focus coming out of my accident in the last three years has been understanding not who I am, but who God wired me to be, and then how do I actually live into that fully and trust God for each small... That's my prayer every day is, Lord, just show me that next small step forward today with no clarity about where that next step might be leading me. Right, that is that has kind of always been my own mindset, and I know that kind of sounds maybe a little nebulous to people, but I got to tell you, over the last three years, it has served me powerfully, and I, you know, so love you. I love both your I'm, thoughts on that. I'm all about the nebulous. <laughs> <laughs> I might steal that one. I might steal that line. Nebulous. Yeah, the nebulous. Yeah, Ephesians 2.10 is sort of my um, my go-to verse. And, um, you know, I, use, I try to keep in mind in parenting and every relationship I have and every business relationship with every client. But I think, you know, what Kevin's saying is so profound. It's basically get out of the way. Get out of our own way and let God do his thing. And really all we have to do is just kind of be sensitive to when he's nudging us in a direction, right? We have to listen. I, I have I have no interest in living. I have a deep interest in being lived through. Wow. I like that. That's awesome. That's kind of we're kind of speechless and that never happens, John. Hey Kevin, I have a question for you though. I would say that, you know, through your journey in your life, and, and man, there's been all kinds of ups and downs, right? Valley experiences, mountaintop experiences. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for those folks out there that are really trying to get in touch, you know, kind of shed some of the things, you know, what happens, I think, in the world, right, as we go through these experiences, you know, people say stuff to us, somebody respect, a coach, a parent, a mentor, or maybe we're victims of abuse, physical, sexual, mental, whatever it happens to be. And there's these things in the world that are lies, but we've accepted them into our identity as part of, as a truth about who we are. And I really think that it's some of those pieces that, that prevent people from kind of operating from this place that we are talking about right here. And I know you've been, you've probably gone through some of these, you've known people. So, you know, those folks that are kind of somewhere in this messy middle, they're trying to really step into this person who they're really confident in who they are in the Lord. 
Um, what are some of your thoughts on just how for them to take that next small step forward into really understanding, you know, really who they are at the core and how to operate in it from a different place? Big question. Yeah. Um, there's probably a, a 30 second answer and there's probably a 30 hour answer. Mm. Let's, go, let's go with the 30 second answer. <laughs> um, you know, we live in a, in a society that as technology advances and as other things happen, it's pretty much a Mach 5 with your hairline on fire society. Mm-hmm. And it's real easy, especially with 24-hour news and LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and social media and cell phones and all this other stuff. It's real easy to fall into the go, go, go mentality. And some people are more wired that way than others, too, right? When you talk about personality styles and all that kind of stuff. So I find in my work with a lot of my private coaching clients, I find that we innocently don't invest a little bit of time every day to just sit quietly and listen to the Holy Spirit. Mm. It's very easy. You just get up and from the second you get up, you're looking at that phone. Oh, you know, what about, you know, what do I got to do? And you're it's responding true. to emails. You're doing all this stuff. And we, and we do it innocently. It's very innocent. But if you were to actually observe yourself as a third party, maybe for a week or a month or a decade. It'd and- be exhausting <laughs> if I actually watched a documentary myself. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you were to do that and actually say to yourself, how much time do I actually sit quietly, maybe with my eyes closed, maybe with my eyes not closed? Who cares? I'm not saying you have to go sit under a tree in a lotus position, but how, how often do you actually just sit and just listen to the Holy? Because there's two voices that are always in your head. There's the Holy Spirit and there's the ego. The Holy, The ego always speaks first and it always speaks loudest. The Holy Spirit never yells. It never screams. He just He's just knocking at your door, waiting for you to listen. But he's not a bully. He's just going to tap, 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 tap. So when I work with people, I encourage them to maybe take five minutes per day. And for some Mach 5 type A on steroids type people, that's like asking a lot. Right. But just a couple minutes to just quietly sit and just listen with no agenda. See, see if there's anything going on inside you. I also encourage them to observe their thoughts the way that they would observe clouds in the sky, which I made a reference to a couple of minutes ago. You are not your thoughts, by the way. You are the sky through which the thoughts come and go. But we innocently think that we're our thoughts, but we're not. We're the sky that never changes. We are love. We are the presence of love. We are the way God created us. We are perfect exactly the way we are. But in the moment, thoughts sure seem real. So I encourage people to observe their just their thoughts without labeling them good, bad, right, wrong. Just observe them. Just observe them. And if you do that over time, some interesting insights start to bubble up. So 
What was the question, John? <laughs> Man, I'm so busy. I've taken two pages of notes, Kevin, I and I never do that, by the way. So, so you were Thanks. talking about there's two voices in your head because you know, what I was talking yeah. about, some of those folks that are, I guess they're kind of working on, you know, you know, getting to that place where they can, um, where they can let go of their own thinking, which is not creating the results they want. It's creating the stress. I, it's creating I, the anxiety. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be rude. I'm yep. going to stop you right there. That's okay. I'm going to. So there's a very subtle thing in what I'm saying that for a lot of people at first, it's hard for them to really hear. Mm-hmm. Okay. You don't need to let go of anything. Mm. You, you just need to observe it. It will naturally let go of itself when you see the insanity of it. This goes back to what I was saying earlier about application-based versus implication-based. Yeah. 99.9% of all personal development and all of that. And and there are some good things in personal development. There's I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. But almost everything that we are innocently taught from birth about how to handle, control our emotions, our thoughts, by the way, Don't try to control your thoughts. It's impossible. Observe your thoughts and you will start to have understandings about them and you will not take them so seriously. You can't control gravity, but you can increase your understanding of how gravity works. And by extension, you will not fall or trip as much. But you're not going to reduce your tripping because of your deep conceptual quantum physics understanding of of gravity. So you don't. So I'm being very nitpicky with my words here. You don't need to necessarily let go of anything. You just need to observe and have an understanding and it will naturally let go of you. Can I make a comment on that and observation? Um, Of course. Because, you know, as you said that, it connected some dots, right? So as I recovered and I knew that up to my accident, you know, what had, where I was in my life was not where I wanted to be. And mm-hmm. as I actually took, I was forced to take the time because I was recovering from all these surgeries and in a bed. And as I had my own, it, this was new learning and self-awareness of which when I did it myself, I had ownership of. And when I saw for myself that, that that thinking these thoughts and how they, you know, where they were moving me had not developed the relationships I wanted with my wife and my kids and where I wanted to be in business and the kind of joy that I wanted to have in my life, then guess what? Then it was so, uh, you're right, because then I knew it wasn't somebody had to tell me because when somebody tells me or gives me advice, I'm always going to try to just, well, this is maybe how I'm wired because I'm an idiot and a blockhead, but you know, I'll, I'll probably keep on the same path just to prove you that you might not be right. But when I know it for myself, I'm like, hey, I'm doing it again and this is not going to work out. So I got to, I don't know, maybe the new thought to have, but I just know that thought I was having is not going to help me. So you know, it was actually what you are talking about is so powerful because if we can just observe create our own new learning, which kind of creates this link between, you know, the results we have and the results that we want, all of a sudden, our behavior, our thoughts, our feelings, the actions that we take are going to change and change in a positive way, because we've created that space for us to to learn 
how to do that differently. So you're right. It's not a, I, I love, I, I'm glad you corrected me because it's right. It's not about just, Hey, Oh, it's easy, man. Just let go and do it differently, man. It's kind of a process, but the process starts with observing. And I love that you brought that out. Can I, can I poke something that might be a little bit tender and sensitive? And if you don't want to go down this road, I'm totally fine. Not going down it. Yeah, no, let's not go there. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> No, go, go ahead. No, go ahead. The accident you had. Yeah. Did you thank God for it? You know, I always have. You thank God for it? I did. Good. And people thought that was really weird. First of all, I thank God initially just because I was alive and I got a second chance not only at life and to rewrite the whole script, but to be a dad and a husband and in this world. But now... um I look back on it and I thank God for who I have become through yeah. it. And I would not change that for anything. And if I had to repeat it to to be where I am now today with my marriage, with my kids, with what I'm doing in the world, with my joy, regardless of external circumstances, um, I, I would I'd sign back up. That's that, that's folks, listen to what he just said there. Because that is crazy radical to the world's thinking. So let me follow it up with another question. John, has anything wrong, has anything ever gone wrong in your life? Oh, I think it depends on your definition of wrong. Um, Let's go with yours. Many things have gone not the way that I wanted them to go. Yeah. Um, But I would tell you now, looking back on it in hindsight with delayed intelligence, um, a lot of those things have actually that were the hardest things I've ever gone through have equipped me to actually do some pretty cool things today as a as a husband as a father we have a a teenage father right we have a grandson my son is 18 years old to the stuff we get to do with with leaders around the world but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing today yet for having gone through all this stuff my whole life yeah so you know folks we're going very deep down the rabbit hole in this brief interview. One thing, one question that I would ask you to contemplate, those of you hearing us talk right now, is nothing's ever gone wrong in your life other than what you were thinking and believing in the moment. So if you trust God, Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know. If you do, it's literally impossible for anything to go wrong. The question is, are you learning from whatever is happening in the moment? Because every moment is a learning opportunity if you're in student mode. But if you're in, no, I want it to go this way, I'm going to make it go that way mode. And again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have, I'm not saying that you shouldn't I'm not saying it's a bad thing to say, I'd like to make some changes in my life. No, not at all. I think that's wonderful. But the mind's a funky thing. And if you start thinking that there's something wrong, you've already, you're already not thinking clearly. So anyway, I, I, we, before we go down that road for five hours, um, we're blessed. We're, we're extremely blessed. So this goes back to that prayer that you asked me to repeat before, John. When I wake up in the morning, I don't say, God, give me another $100,000 this year. I say, God, just help me 
to be aware of the blocks to the awareness of love's presence and the blessings in my life. And when I do that, a lot of other things just naturally self-correct. They just naturally self-correct. I don't even have to ask for help me, you know, whatever. You know. All that stuff's a joke anyway. <laughs> well, I really love um, there are only two voices in our head, the ego and the Holy Spirit. And the ego speaks first and the ego's a bully. I love that. That right there is sure. pretty, that's, I mean, let's think about that. So if in any given moment, wherever we are, we're in the carpool line, we're in the grocery store, we're in work, we're in an intense meeting and words are about to come out of our mouth because of the thoughts that are going through our head, how cool would it be if we could stop in the moment, like a freeze frame, like in a movie and go, okay, you know what, ego, I know that's you. Come on, let's, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to shut you down and, you know, have that pause and be able to ignore the ego, push it to the side and listen to the Holy Spirit because we're, we're running and gunning, we're moving quickly. And so we take the path of least resistance. And so we take the first thought and the first loudest thing, and then we just go, 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 right? Well, in fact, that means we're being driven by the ego. I would also argue that maybe there's a third, but and that's other people, right? So other people get inside our head and, and we just repeat the things that they've said to us, right? Oh, you're a loser. Oh, you know, you're never going to amount to anything. Oh, you're fired. You know, you suck, whatever it is, right? I'm being... I'm being an extreme to make a point. But so we're living each day and, you know, we hear the ego. Then we hear the the echo of other people's words to us. And the Holy Spirit's third, right? And because we don't slow down, take the time and listen. And I love that, that if we dwell on what the ego's saying, dwell on, I'm saying this part, dwell on what other people have said to us, and we really think about that, that the the ridiculousness of it will make those thoughts be released, and then the third person's there, which is the Holy Spirit. How cool is that? I mean, that's practical. That's something we can all do right now. Can I, that's Thanks for those comments, Sharon. Those are those are very insightful comments. May I make a comment on that? Please. You have children. You have two children. You have you three. Have just, three. I have three now. Three. Yeah. One of each. Okay. So so, um, I have three kids too. I'll always say one of each, and just to see if people are listening. So, when when, when you're when when you're let's go with your daughter. Your daughter's Jess. Uh, Jenna, and she's Jenna. twelve. Okay. So when Jenna was a little baby, did she ever have a bad dream? Oh yeah. Okay. So let's so picture this folks listening to us right now for those of you that have children. If your child comes into your bedroom in the middle of the night and they're having a bad dream. So they're scared, right? There's a monster under the bed or something like that. Do you sit down and give them a long dissertation about the non-existence of monsters? No, because the monster is very real to the little child. It's scary. They believe that it's real. By the way, they're believing their thinking. Okay? So what you do is you comfort them, which is the same thing God does with us. So you comfort them. You say, come into the bed. Come into bed. Sleep with us. You know, sleep here in the bed with us. And you wrap your arms around them and you go to sleep. By the way, that's what God does with us. 
when we think that we need to make more money or we think that we need another Mercedes or we think we need to expand our business into seven more states or pick any one of a trillion other dis- distraction devices from God's love. Okay. So you don't give the child a deep PhD dissertation on the non-existence of monsters. You, you're just unaware that monsters don't exist and you are awake enough to realize that the child is believing their thinking. So you nurture them and you love them and you know that over time, they'll come to realize that there are no monsters. They don't exist. So when I said that thing about there's two voices, the ego and the Holy Spirit, whenever, all right, I'm gonna make a comment, John and Sandra and <laughs> my brain just stopped and Steve if we want to go down this rabbit hole great but this is or, or if we don't want to that's okay too at any moment that you are experiencing stress in your life an internal uncomfortable feeling that is never ever with no exceptions whatsoever That is never, ever because of an external situation, although it will appear to be an external situation. It is nothing more than a blessing that is tapping on your door and saying, wake up, wake up. You're listening to the ego. Now, this is pretty heavy stuff, folks, but it's actually once you understand it, it's not heavy at all. It's incredibly liberating. At any moment that you feel an internal uncomfortable feeling, it is actually a gift from God. And it's just the Holy Spirit saying, you're listening to the ego. You're listening to the wrong voice. You're listening to the wrong voice. That's why you're feeling that stress. You have forgotten what you are. You are a beautiful divine creation of God, created for greatness, and you're worthy of the desires of your heart. So that, in, so what actually happens is those uncomfortable feelings actually start to become the biggest blessings you've ever had because they're soft, subtle wake-up calls. That's all they are. That's all they are. Sharon made a point a couple minutes ago that I'm going to correct in a loving way. People never get in your head. It's physically impossible for anyone to get in your head. The only thing that's possible is for you to believe your thinking and not question it. If you would question your thinking, you would come to see the insanity of it. But it's literally impossible. If I say, John, you're a schmuck. Now, John, say, might hey, not, John might I'm not glad like I'm those not you, words. you know. John might not like those words, but I am not physically getting in his head. By the way, when somebody spits on you, does that make you mad? No, actually, it makes you wet. (laughs) Mad is a decision. It's usually a hair trigger decision. Mm -hmm. Okay. But see, I, I, I'm going way deep down. You know, feel free to cut me off anytime you want. Well, no, I, I totally agree with you because, you know, one of the things that we have to do is accept responsibility for our own thinking 
because our thoughts lead to how we feel, right? Like you talked about, right? Somebody could spit on me. What's my first thought? Wow, this this person's angry or that was disrespect. What's the feeling that I am going to choose? I'm going to maybe choose to be angry. The action I'm going to take is to maybe lash out you verbally or physically. And in that, in I got to tell you, recover. In, it's not all you know, sunshine and unicorns. Recovering from my accident, being in pain, being limited. There was times, man, I was mad at God. I was angry. It hurt my relationships. But those were times where I was listening to the wrong voice, and but it was through that, right? Well, you know, the first thing God said to me at the accident, the first words that the God of the universe spoke to me, Kevin, was all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. And that's exactly kind of what we're talking about. And that of every anything he could have said to me, that is the first words that the God of the universe spoke to me at my accident. And I got to tell you, that was that, that I hung my hat on that. That's why I told you, you know, going through the process, I was joyful and hopeful most days yeah. uh, because God had told me that all of this is going to work together for something good. And it was that hope and that promise of moving towards something better um, that just that kept me going on some of my most difficult days where sometimes just getting through the next couple minutes was a victory. Yeah. 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 It's... um. We're, we're actually, as we go through this conversation, we're, we're kind of returning to certain points and just approaching them from different angles. Mm-hmm. Because if we didn't believe that all things work for good, we will, be, we will be going back to what I said maybe 20 or 30 minutes ago, that we're trying to be God. Mm-hmm. And it's just our goal. It's our job to plant the seeds with a good attitude. It's not our job to make them grow. It's not our job to decide which ones grow. So when we really have an understanding that we are truly blessed moment to moment, life takes on a whole different flavor because it's really the difference between being awake and being asleep. And most of us sleepwalk through life with moments of awakeness. And kind of what we're all pointing to in this interview is we were not created to sleep. We were created to be awake and to remember. You know what I find? I find we don't really need to learn so much. We just need to remember some things like that we are love. If we remember that we are love in human form, a lot of challenges will naturally self-correct. But if we forget, which is very natural and innocent to do, when we forget that we're love in human form, we can go down some really weird pathways until we eventually remember. Does that make sense? Yeah, Kevin, I just, uh, Sandra, I just want to echo what you said. I, You know, I think kind of summarize this whole thing right about these two voices in the head man just an amazing practical takeaway for people if if you're just feeling stress anxiety guilt you're worrying you're fretting about a decision right that man just boom it's like uh you know flares going off fireworks like you know hallelujah chorus like hey guess what you're, you're, you are listening to the wrong voice. 
and it's a time. And you know what? In the I, I know a number of times, right? I as I was kind of new at this, I really struggled um, hearing, you know, sitting alone quietly and going to, you know, hearing the Holy Spirit. But you know what I did? I had some amazing friends, and I'd go with them, and I'd say, okay, this is what I'm. This is. I didn't couch it the way that you did, Kevin, but I said, listen, this is what's spinning and going through my head, and I know this isn't of God, and sometimes just sharing it with somebody else and putting it out there and having the words and have somebody like you kind of say, hey, can I poke at that? Can I ask you a question? Where is God showing up here? But just having sometimes the courage to just be, you know, the humility to go to a friend and just say, I think I'm thinking about this wrong. I'm totally stressed out. Well, especially because you and I, John, are both verbal processors. And so Mm -hmm. by saying it out loud, we're actually hearing it and processing it. And so, um, you know, if someone's a verbal processor, if someone needs that accountability or or someone needs courage, you can get courage, you know, through someone else, too. Um, That's definitely a technique that works. But, I mean, how powerful is that, that every time we feel stress or uncomfortable, or like just a rub, you know, just like a a, a rub, if we can raise our awareness that, oh, wait a minute, that's the Holy Spirit lightly tapping to tell me I'm listening to the wrong voice. If we can incorporate that into our daily life, if we do nothing else in 2018, but change that, imagine how empowering that can be for, for us and everyone that's listening. You guys are way better at quoting scripture than me. Isn't there, isn't there a quote? I stand at the door and knock. No, I can no. sing. I can sing the children's song. I'm ask, kidding. seek, and knock. <laughs> but isn't, isn't there isn't there a quote in the Bible? I stand at your door and, and knock. Yes, there is. Yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of what we're talking about. So actually, we're taking. Some people would call this reframing. Some people would call this spinning a positive light. But that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm being very literal. Whenever we feel internal stress, that's actually a blessing. Because it's the Holy Spirit, as you just said, Sharon, saying, Sandra. saying, wake up, sleepyhead, wake up, sleepyhead. You're believing there's a monster under the bed. There's no monster under the bed. Come, come rest in God's arms. But matter of fact, you've never left God's arms. You've been here all along. You've just innocently forgotten. Yeah, the, uh, yeah I just looked it up. It's Revelations 3, verse 20, and it's really powerful. And here it, 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 this is how it starts out. Here I am, exclamation mark. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now think about that. He is saying to us constantly, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. You're thinking you're listening to the wrong voice. Here I am, man. Let me in. I want to sit down and break bread with you and talk and give you a hug. And, and you know, the other thing, um, in John 15, and I would encourage people to go look this up on their own, but in there it says that Jesus wants to call us friend because a friend knows his master's business. Think about that. Jesus, as your friend, like you are like in the inner circle, like you made it in the circle of trust, and he's giving you the download on everything. And I, and I know that God answers prayer through other people. He's looking at Kevin and Sandra and Steve and me and going, you know what? You know what? This conversation today, Kevin, I'll tell you right now, is an answer to prayer for me. God he's actually, works he's, through he's not, you he's, to um, 
share some things with me that I needed to hear today. And I'll guarantee you there's thousands of people listening to this going, amen, brother, me too. He's, he's just knocking at the door and saying, let's hang out. Yep. Let's hang out. Let's just hang out. Right? That's, that's all. It's no more complicated than that. Let's just hang out. Imagine hanging out with Jesus every day. Well, you can. He's there all the time. It's just, are you aware that he's knocking on the door and just saying, hey, man, let's hang out. You know, let's go love people. You know, when you think back in the Bible, and again, I'm not a Bible scholar, but when I think about Jesus in the Bible, all he did was hang out with people and just remind them that they are love in seemingly human form. That's all he did. And you know what else he did too, amazingly? And this is what you do. This is, I think, what we all do here is, right? He asked questions. He was authentically, he was deeply interested in people. And when he understood their situation, he offered a solution, right? The woman at the well, the woman about to get stoned, the, the man who was blind, and I know you do that, right? You you want to serve others unconditionally in a loving way. But you, you model in what you do. And I know Sandra does this. Steve does this, right? What Jesus did. I think, you know, you started out the, this whole interview saying you're a simple guy, right? And, and um, I would agree with that in the fact that, you know what? You've, you just have taken everything down uh, and, and you've done something really, really radical. And that's actually believe what it says in the Bible about how you should think and live. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. Does 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 my does my comment at the beginning of the interview make more sense now? The comment when I said that, said that complexity it tends to be a red flag for me. Yeah, because you said God's truth yeah. is simple, right? Well, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. The Bible says it. The, the truth is simple and the truth will set you free. Right. I just took it literal. Yeah. Because I'm a simple guy. Mm-hmm. So um, all Jesus really did, and again, this is my version, so I might be full of crap, you know. All Jesus did was remind people that they're love. He healed people. How did he do that? Because he reminded them that they were never sick to begin with. Mm. They, they were love. Wow. He raised the dead. He reminded them that the body was dead, but they were never their body to begin with. They're an, they're an eternal spirit. I could cut my finger off right now. It doesn't make me any less Kev. Right? So he all he did was he was gently waking people up and knocking on their door saying, wake up, sleepyhead. Wake up, sleepyhead. You're snoozing. It's the middle of the day. Get up. Get up. You should be about your father's business. Your father's business is being a light in an often dark world. Mm. Spread the light. You could, you'll, what does it say? You'll be able to tell them by their love for each other. How interesting. When I see so many Christians nitpicking each other over... Gossiping... Who, over God, yeah, oh. all this BS. They'll they'll know you'll be able to tell them by their love for each other. That sums it all up right there. Right? It doesn't get any more complicated than that. So all I do is I go through my day gently reminding people 
You're sleeping. Wake up. You're capable of accomplishing anything in the world you want to accomplish. But don't give God a checklist. Why don't you actually reverse it? There was a time in my life when I was the type A on steroids, get the big house, get the car, and I did all that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's great. I mean, it's much better having a Mercedes than a roasted out Pinto, right? But at a certain point, I said to myself, I'm kind of tired of my agenda. I would rather turn it around and say, God, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? And just let the people that I'm supposed to work with or have an impact on or just hug cross my path. And let me take me, I'm pointing back to what I said earlier in the conversation when I said I really don't have much interest in living anymore, but I have a strong interest in being lived through. Mm, Yeah, that was powerful. So I don't really care. I don't, you know. I think I'd be just as happy collecting tolls on the Jersey Turnpike toll as I would speaking on stages in front of thousands of people and hearing them clap. Because... Who cares? I, I would rather be a I would rather be a messenger of light. I would rather be an extension of God, or at least by the way, everybody's an extension of God. It's just that most people have forgotten that. Most people are sleepwalking through life. So you can't take it with you, right? And if I think that something external to me, or another Rolex or something like that, is going to create my internal happiness, I've innocently fallen asleep again. When I see Christians that aren't happy, mm-hmm. I wonder what Bible they're reading. Mm-hmm. But I remember, I remember when I was a Christian that wasn't happy. So I don't judge them. I just say, oh, they need a little love. You know, that's something to park on a little bit. Um, I wish we had some more time, but, you know, as you're listening, right, and... And, you know, and you don't feel happy, right? Because I think there's a difference almost between, in my mind, between happiness and joy. The Bible talks a lot about joy. And joy is kind of living in this place that we've been talking about. Yeah. Which means that regardless of the external circumstances, inside I am choosing to be joyful. I, something that I, I go back to in some of my worst times was, list, you know, reflecting on what I had read about Corey Ten Boom who was in the Nazi concentration camp and it was infested with fleas and they were all bit and these horrible sores. And her sister was so excited because of the fleas. And Corey was all upset with her sister. Like what? Seriously, you know, we're we're going to be killed. Everybody we know is being killed and we're in this concentration camp. And she said, no, God gave us these fleas because, because of the fleas, the guards won't come into our 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 dormitory our 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 cell and we can right. plan on how to save more lives because of the fleas think about yeah. that i mean for me that just strikes me that no matter so you're like you said before kevin right it has we're making a choice every day about how we react to what's going on and how we show up and when we do that enough and when we kind of focus on being love you know what we're going to be loved back because people love People, you know, when they find, because it is actually kind of rare, I'll guarantee you, you live a full life, right? John, in, in, in John 10, 10, Christ said, I came to give you life so that you may live it to the full. 
And a big part of that is is he wants to bless us as we bless others. And I know that that has come into my life in spades as as we've lived and operated this way. And th- man, this has just been one of my favorite conversations I think I've ever had, Kevin. I got I f- thank you for not only who you are, your heart, but just you know just putting it out there. And you know, Thanks, John. As, as we kind of land the plane here, unfortunately, we have to because it's already been well over an hour. Um, what, you know, we've thousands of people listening, uh, you know, what's kind of a final thought that you would like to just leave with people with? And by the way, people want to connect with Kevin, it's Kevin Knebel, K-N-E-B-L.com. But what are just some of the final thoughts you have, Kevin? Um, and thank you. It's, it's, it's Kev, it's Kevin Knebel.com. Just like you said, it's not Knebel.com. It's Kevin Knebel.com. Um, and if anybody wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, I'm happy to connect with you there. Um, here's a final thought. All suffering is nothing more than confusion. It's, it's, it's just being confused about what you really are. So all suffering is created or is a result of just confusion. When you know that you're a beautiful divine creation of God designed for greatness and that you deserve the desires of your heart, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have crap in your life. You will, right? You're on earth. You're human. But the way that you respond, not react, there's a world of difference between reacting and responding. The way that you respond you start to wake up faster. You'll still fall asleep. We all do. We're not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you're going to become some enlightened Buddha and sit on a mountaintop somewhere. It's just a question of how quickly we wake back up. So maybe a thought to contemplate on, folks, if it has value for you, and if not, just throw it out, is that all suffering is nothing more than just confusion. We've innocently forgotten that what we really are and we are sons and daughters of God. You're a king's kid. You're blessed beyond measure. There's, you are not lacking in any way whatsoever. You are divine. You are perfect exactly the way that he made you. God don't make no junk. So at any moment that you're feeling anything other than joy or happiness, it's nothing more than an innocent misunderstanding and you've forgotten what you really are. All suffering is caused by confusion. When you understand what you are, your ability to respond and be resilient in the moment becomes easier and easier over time. It's not like you're gonna have this flash of insight and all of a sudden now you're gonna walk through life levitating. You'll just, you'll just pick, you'll, when you trip, you'll get up faster and you'll have more compassion when you see everybody else tripping because you'll just realize, Oh, they've innocently forgotten what they are. Mm. You won't beat them up. You won't say, listen, stupid monsters don't exist. You'll just bring them into your arms and go, Oh, come here. It's okay. It's okay. That's, that would be my comment. I love you, John. I love you, Sharon. I love you, Steve. Thank you so much for having me. Sandra. My name is Sandra. What did I call you? Mary. Sharon, which is my sister. So you're like, uh, you know, Satan. It. Satan's I using that to try and think, you know, I'm not enough. You want my sister. Come on. I, I love your sister, too. 
So, so, so I love you, Sandra. I'm sorry. Um, okay. Say, say it again though. I love that. Say, I love you, John. I love you, Sandra. We'll edit that I, out. I love you, John. I love you, Sandra. I love you, Steve. If I didn't love you, it would be nothing more than innocent innocence that I've innocently fallen asleep again. Of course I love you. How could I not? Because I know what you are. You're a beautiful divine creation of God designed for greatness. You deserve the desires of your heart. The only reason I wouldn't love you is because I've been tricked into the illusion again. So of course I love you. I wish we had these conversations more often. We should do this once a month, man. And come out to Colorado and go skiing. You got to go skiing, man. It's beautiful. Rock and roll. (laughs) Kevin, thank you. Um, and Woo. you are we we do need to have you on more often. I think we should have like a quarterly Kevin Knebel series. <laughs> Seriously, we really should. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm all we for are it. we are the human form of love. I yeah. want to say that we are just the human form you, of love. You are love in seemingly human form. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, that's so powerful, man. You you were right, Steve. You don't, by the way, by the the way, ever show up for interviews, by the way, by the way, you don't love people. You, you are love. You just remember what you are and then you remove the blocks to the awareness of it. And then it just naturally is love. By the way, if love isn't unconditional, it's not love. It's a transaction. So love, love by definition is a state of mind. It's not a reward. That's insane. That's crazy. Apple trees make apples. Pear trees make apples. Giraffes make giraffes. God, who is love, created you as love. So all we need to do is just remove the blocks to the awareness of love's presence. Love is in the room. It's just, are we awake, are we awake or are we innocently sleeping? Anyway, I feel like I'm rambling on. I love you guys. I hope we get to do this again sometime soon.